Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ. I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at The Canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, Pastor Elder Daniel Bright takes a look at the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, and he calls us to take a hard look at our busyness to see if the schedules that we keep are really conducive to the kind of life that God has called us to in Christ Jesus. Let's listen in to Daniel as he brings us this week's message. Pages, thank you so much for sharing your all story. That uh, definitely hits home for us, and we're definitely supporting you all as you go through that journey together and can't echo enough what Katie said about rallying around them both um, emotionally, financially, um, you know, spiritually, just being able to walk alongside somebody. When we went through our uh, adoption journey, we wouldn't have been able to do what we would have done without our church family, and we need to do the, the same for uh, the pages. So thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> so hopefully everybody's had a, a good week. But let me know if this sounds familiar. Someone comes up to you, says, hey, how you doing? Right? That's a common greeting. Hey, how you doing? Typically, the response used to be, oh, I'm fine. Thanks. I'm good. Thanks. And kind of leave it at that. But there's been a shift over the last seven to 10 years on that response. It's not as often I'm good or I'm fine. Now it's becoming things like, yeah, I'm hanging in there. Or, man, I'm busy. Man, I've, I've got a lot going on. It's crazy. It's busy. Or I'm stressed. Those types of things have taken over. I'm fine and I'm good. And that's not necessarily a good thing. What is such a simple response of, yeah, I'm busy or I'm hanging in there can tell us a lot about us, can tell us a lot about our, our day-to-day, we're busy people. We have hectic schedules, never have enough time, always feeling behind. I look at my last week, and I tell myself, man, I need a break. And then I go into another week, and after that week's over, I'm like, man, I need a break. And after like six months, it's like, man, I need a break. But I'm not the only one who's going through that. I'm not the only one who's feeling that. <clears throat> This is not a brag of being busy. This is a cry for help. Because busyness in our world today has become an issue. It's become a problem. So I'm a statistics person. Some would call me a data nerd. Others would call me, no, everyone calls me a data nerd. Um, That's just just what I do for a living. Um, It's why I love sports. It's part of my DNA. So naturally, when I sat down to focus on this this morning and and the sermon, I went to look for some statistics on on busyness, and I landed on the American Time Use Survey done by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which if you didn't know, the government has a Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, You probably don't go looking for that very often, but I found one, and I loved every minute of it. And here's what I've learned. I want to share some of these things with you. Watching TV was the leisure and sport activity that occupied most time. Why they call it sport, I don't know. On average, 2.9 hours a day. On the days, I love this phrasing, on the days people did household activities, it was an average of two to two and a half hours per day. 
The time spent reading for personal interest varied a lot by age. Individuals age 75 and over average 41 minutes a day. People from 15 to 44, less than 10 minutes a day reading. Adults living in households with at least one child under the age of 13 spend an average of five hours a day providing, you know, child care. <laughs> and people spend twice as much time socializing on the weekends as, on, as opposed to weekdays. That makes sense, right? You have a busy schedule. You have a Monday through Friday job, maybe nine to five. So the weekends are the time to really socialize and get together. But here's the number that, that bothered me. Because it doubled, it doubled from 26 minutes to 55 minutes. On average, people spend about 55 minutes in true socialization and interaction with other people on a weekend. <clears throat> so before we take a look at a very familiar passage, let me caution us as we turn to Luke chapter 10. I've learned something about myself through D group. So plug for D group, Kenny, you're welcome. Um, we're going through the life of Jesus. We're going through the Gospels. We're going through the Psalms. And some may argue or say, well, this is the easier one to do. Everybody knows the Gospels. We need to get something more difficult. But what I've learned in this time is that depending on where I'm at in life, a passage will convict me in a different way. And I had a terrible habit of assuming I know this story. I know that story. Yes, I know Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I don't need to go back over it. I know the story of Daniel and the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Noah's Ark and, and all these things. I don't need to go back over those stories or the common sections of Scripture that you hear from the pulpit week after week and time after time, person after person. But the reality is... God speaks a certain amount of power through every time you hear it because you're in a different place in your life. But I had that stereotype in my head, had that habit of glossing over the stories I've always known. So as we get ready to read this account, let us instead look at these few verses with a clean perspective, a clear lens, open to hear God speak to us in this moment this morning where we sit right now. Not think about the fact, yes, I know what this section of Scripture is. So let's pray together before we get started and ask God to convict our hearts. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is timeless and timely. We thank you that no matter how many times we can go back to the same chapter, the same book, the same verse, that you meet us right where we are if we're willing to listen and we're willing to open up our hearts to you. God, may we do that this morning as we learn about this account in Luke. May we be able to sit back and say, how does this apply to me? God, what are you trying to tell me this morning? And God, we just pray that as we walk out of here today, we are different because of scripture we may or may not have heard a few times before. Thank you for who you are, thank you for what you've done, and thank you for your word. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so let's dive in together, shall we? Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. 
Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> Familiar passage, right? But what does this tell us? What do we need to learn from this? I mean, let's be real. If someone of importance was coming over to your place, are you more likely to be Martha or are you more likely to be Mary? Are you more likely to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off just before they get here? We know, okay, someone's coming over at 2.30. All right, there's a clock going. I've got two and a half hours. What can I stick in a dishwasher? What can I stick in a closet? You know, what can I pick up? Can I put my kid's socks on so that way she's kind of sweeping at the same time as she's walking? What can I do to ensure that this place looks good enough for whoever it is that's coming over at 2.30? If it was someone like Jesus, many of us turn into Martha like that. In a single moment, many of us are Martha, not just when people come over, but every day of our lives. Maybe you're feeling like a Martha a little bit right now if you have something going on after church and you're thinking, man, I hope that guy up there dressed like Blake isn't, isn't going to go too long today. By the way, check it out. Like We have the same shoes and everything. It's, like, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> Hopefully he doesn't go too long because I have to get to this place. I have to get to that place. And if I don't get over there and get this ready, we either need to push it back, we need to cancel, and it's chaos, it's stress, and it's not joyful. It's not a fun experience. No one ever sits back and says, well, I'm glad we did that. No, it is in this account that we can learn three things we can look at in our own lives. Now, the first thing is that it's not about doing nothing, but about doing the right thing. They, Mary and Martha were both doing something. Now, in Martha's eyes, she was like, yeah, Mary, you're not doing squat. Pull your weight, throws her right under the Jesus bus, and says, hey, make, make Mary do something. I'm doing this on my own here. But the reality is she didn't see that Mary was actively doing something. Some people will read this section of scripture and, oh, I just need to clear my schedule and not do anything. This isn't a call to like a hermit style life where we just don't do anything, where we don't go outside and we, we, we live a life that is um, so introspective that you don't do any, anything for the community or go outside. This is not a call for people to leave their jobs. This is not a call necessarily. Could be, but it, it's not a call to say, everybody leave your jobs, leave all these things behind. That is not according to scripture either, but it's a call to stop being busy on the things that don't have an important purpose, the things that should not be a priority. We're always doing something. The question then becomes why. The question becomes what is the heart like? Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Walking aimlessly, I have this picture of almost like zombies just going around, going from one thing to another and another and another. But you have to ask yourself the question, what are we actually accomplishing? Are we meeting a specific goal? Are we doing what God has put us on this earth to do? Or are we just wandering aimlessly? 
The Bible tells us we are called to a full life. And some of you are thinking, yeah, mine is full. I have no room. But guess what? A full life is very different from a busy life. Those two things are not equal. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, we have reached an age where busyness has become an addiction. Psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors see the impact of busyness on our lives every single day. And it's not a healthy one. It's not a healthy thing that's going on. You go too much, you reach something called exhaustion. Exhaustion has physical symptoms that will put you down. I'll never forget the first time I went to the doctor, you have exhaustion. Yeah, I'm tired. No, 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 you have exhaustion. You need to slow down or you're going to make things worse. Your heart can only handle so much. Your mind can only handle so much. The old adage is you're burning the candle at both ends, right? That's what a busy life can do. It can destroy you. It can kill you. It can hurt you. Not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally. We can become deadpan to things because we're so busy. We don't take the time to realize what's going on around us to where we have emotion and we experience joy with our family and our kids, um, meaningful conversations with our spouse. Laughter with our friends, tears with those who are going through tough times because we're going from place to place to place, just making sure we hit the next marker. But when life is full, you're joyful. When life is full, you're fulfilling God's calling. When life is full, you're actually growing. So if you want to know the difference, start asking yourself those questions. Am I joyful? Am I fulfilling God's calling? And am I growing? And if we can't say yes to those questions, we have to ask ourselves, does that mean I'm just busy? Does it mean that I'm just going through as a busybody in idleness? It's important for us to stop and slow down long enough to understand that we're going the right way. We're doing the right things, the things that God intends for us to do so we have that full life. <clears throat> Sometimes stopping makes us uncomfortable but it's worth it. I'm reminded of back when I was in high school, which we're not going to talk about how long ago that was at this point, but I ran cross country. And I loved running cross country um, because it was one of those things that whenever you got done, you were glad you did it, but while you were in it, you hated it. And so the, the reality is when you finish, you're like, oh man, I'm glad I accomplished this. Well, one of my very first races my junior year, we had a eighth grader who was faster than the entire team. And I was trying to keep up with him, and I realized that this was his first race of the season, and he, because he was ahead of me, I was just following after him, following after him, and we were doing great. And we look around and we realize, oh, we're winning. It's one and two right here, same team, let's keep going, let's rock and roll. And then we realize there's still nobody around. And we're like, uh-oh, we went the wrong way. We weren't ahead, we were just lost but we were feeling so good about ourselves that we didn't take time to look around. We didn't look for the markers and we didn't slow down long enough to ensure I needed to make a left turn here or I needed to take a right turn there. 
We finally got back on track, ran an extra, like, tenth of a mile for no reason, and finished ninth and tenth instead of first and second. Never finished better than that. All because we didn't pay attention to everything around us because we were going so fast, right? Sounds like a brag, but not when, you, not when you're lost, not when you finish 10th. How many of you feel like that this morning? You're going so fast. And the question asks, are you seeing the markers? Are you seeing the road signs? Are you seeing the end point and the end of the destination? Are you seeing others along the way? And if you're not, why not? So that's the first thing. It's not about doing nothing, but it's about doing the right thing and moving in the right direction. Secondly, just a reminder that God wants to give us rest. And we can have rest, but we need to come to him. <clears throat> so if you're feeling like you're going too fast and you're going too hard and you're doing too much and you're way too busy and you need to slow down, that there is an answer. You can slow down. You can stop. And God wants to give us that rest, but he wants us to come to him. Another very familiar section of scripture is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. 28 through 30. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light familiar verse. But here, here's what it says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Who do you go to when you need rest? Are you even resting at all? You know what else is interesting here? He will give us rest, not by taking the yoke off and saying, all right, you're free, go do your thing. Now you, can, now you can go, like, a, like you take off your dog's collar, and sometimes they're like, oh, that feels so good, and they just run around and get a little crazy. That's not what God's doing here. You see in the same section of Scripture in verse 30, it says, for my yoke is easy. No, he gives us his yoke. Again, goes back to the idea that God doesn't tell us to do nothing. He just wants us to do the right thing. He wants us to follow after him. So he's not saying rest means doing nothing, but rest means resting in him and following after him so you have a more fullness in that life. You take off your burdens, you take off your desires, you take off where you think you should go, your trajectory, and say, okay, God, I'm done trying this. Let's go your way instead. Because he says, for my yoke is easy and the burden is light. Doesn't take away the work, doesn't take away the things to do. It, take, it changes the purpose, it changes the direction, and it changes the mindset. <clears throat> but sadly, that only happens at the point when we literally cannot do it anymore. We wait until the weight of whatever it is that we have going on literally pushes us to the ground, and we no longer can move. We wait until it's too late, and like, my legs won't go any further. My calendar doesn't have a free five minutes. I haven't slept in days. I don't know what's going on in my family. I've reached a point where there's 
potential divorce in my marriage. My kids keep asking me, where are you? What are you doing? Can we do this? My job is saying, why is this always messing? Why are you always messing these things up? Why are you late to work? Why aren't you on time? And at that point, we say, okay, God, I guess I just cannot do this anymore on my own. It comes to the point where we are humbled and finally lay it to God and say, please help me. And God says, why did you wait so long? Let me help you. But we have to lay it at his feet. The song we sang before, before the story and before the message was running to the Father. Are we running to the Father? In this case, we're not running, we're crawling. We're on the ground like if you've ever done a mud run, like a rugged maniac or, or something like that, and you're going underneath like the barbed wire and stuff like that, and you're crawling. But that's not the fun kind of crawling. It's the dirty, grimy, painful kind of crawling hopefully getting to, to where we need to go so that way we can find relief. Don't wait for that. You may start be feeling these things already. Don't wait until you're at that point. God wants to give us that rest. So first we have to understand that God is not saying don't do nothing. He's also saying, I'm going to give you rest but we need to come to him, and he's going to give us his purpose, his plan. But third, we need to realize that we cannot effectively serve if we do not entirely surrender. You know, last week, Blake talked a lot about service and servanthood and submission. We can't do those things unless we surrender and truly submit. So my question to you would be, what would it be like if we prayed and ask God to take control of our schedule. That's a scary, scary thought. Many of us in here like to be controlled, in control, especially in the things that we do every single day. I like to know what I'm walking into on Monday. I'm checking my work schedule. I'm like, okay, I have these meetings. I have a 20-minute break here for lunch. I've got this. I've got that. As soon as work's over, I've got this going on with the little one. You know, we're going to go ride a horse. Then we're going to eat dinner. Then it's homework time. And then she goes to bed. We get an hour or so of, of taking a break. And there, there's the day. The day is over. We've got it perfectly planned out. All it takes is one thing to ruin it all. Hey, guess what? Writing is going to be a little bit later than we thought. Ah. So what are we going to do for dinner? I don't know. Oh, no. Not that, not that answer. What are we going to do for dinner? I don't know. What are we going to do about homework? Well, we've got to get that done. We've got to get to bed. And then guess what? That messes up the next day, right? You get to bed late, then you're not going to want to get up in the morning. And you hit that snooze six, seven times, just me maybe. I don't know. I've got, I've got more alarms than I'd like to admit on my phone at really random times, like at three-minute intervals, which may drive some of you OCD people crazy. Uh, but I've got like eight alarms to make sure I'm getting up because we're going so hard and so fast that when it's time to fall asleep, I'm unconscious. It's not always a good thing. Always tired. And I always ask myself and I always wonder, why do I need a break? Why do I need to slow down? Because I have no margin in my life. Because I'm trying to do too much on my own. 
because I'm not asking God about what needs to be done today and what's important and what's the right thing. I'm doing what I think is important and needs to be done and needs to be done now. So what would it look like if I surrendered my schedule to God? What could my life look like? Let's remember the story of Jesus and the rich man, and we'll make a connection here. Mark chapter 10, verses 20 and 21 says... In verse 20, it says, The teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And verse 21 says, Looking at the man, in Mark 10, 20, 10, 20, 21, Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, you're like, Well, what, is the, what does money have to do with, with your schedule, with your time? You see, in this in this scenario, which is often used to tell Christians and shame Christians for having a possession, you shouldn't have a car. You don't need a car. God says you shouldn't have a car. You shouldn't have money. It's not about the possessions or money itself, but has everything to do with what the young man and the rich young ruler put into those things, his purpose, his priorities, his focus. That's what he worshipped. That's what he idolized. For some, yeah, it could be the love of money. For others, it could be our schedule. It could be our time. For us, our most valuable thing could be our time. That is the barrier for many of us, including me. Am I ready to surrender my schedule to God and say, take it, wreck it, do as you wish, because it's not my time, but yours? Think about what it could do for a marriage. Think about what it could do for a family. Think about what it could do for, ki for kids and children. Think about what it could do for the community. Think about what that could do for your church if we just gave up control of our schedule. Would you suddenly have the time to take your daughter hiking that she's been asking you to do for weeks? Would you finally be able to schedule dinner and having a meaningful conversation with your spouse? Would you finally get to serve at that local ministry that you've always intended to call and always intended to reach out to, to help them with something, but you just haven't had the time to do it? What would that look like? And why don't we do it now? What are we afraid of? As with any addiction... There are steps. Anybody know what step one is? Admitting you have a problem. This is a very uncomfortable sermon for me this morning because I'm literally just telling you what I've done in the past two weeks. I probably didn't even have to write anything down. This is an admission to you that I am busy, but I'm redefining my purpose. Me and my wife finally decided to say, yeah, let's, let's take a quick getaway to St. Louis and go to watch two baseball games and, and the kiddo can stay here. We haven't done that in three years. We had meaningful conversation. We had a good time. And the Cardinals won, which is great. St. Louis Cardinals, for those of Kentucky fans who might have got a little snarky there. Um, LAUGHTER the, the next thing we did is we decided, let's, let's go on a short getaway into the mountains of, of North Carolina. And leading up to that, we were incredibly hesitant 
because we've already taken a break. We don't need another one. We've got too much to do. And leading up to that was so much anxiety, so much stress, so much pressure that, that me and my wife kept going back and forth. Should we do this? Should we not? Should we do this? Should we not? We've got X, Y, and Z. We're building a house. We have jobs. We got the kid and all of the stuff that she's got going on. We can't, we can't do this. We, we, need to, we need to back out. We need to figure out something else. And eventually it became too late for us to back out, and we went anyway. And it was then that we finally let go. It's amazing what a six-hour drive will do. Just being able to relax. To get into the mountains with limited to no cell service. To look out on the beauty of what God has created. And for the first time in years, I finally got what the psalmist was saying when he talked about creation. All because I said yes to slowing down and spending time with my spouse. And we've come back rejuvenated and excited and redoing whatever it is to our schedule so that way we don't get in the same place we were before. And we don't have it all figured out. We're still working through it. But what I can tell you is after that weekend, it was worth it. It was worth it to slow down and ask ourselves, why are we putting ourselves through this? Are we happy? And we had to look at each other and say, no, this isn't, this isn't fun. This isn't a good time. We were not joyful. We were tearful. We were irritated. We were tired. And everything and everyone around us suffered because of it. How different could it be for you if you asked God to give you a full life instead of a busy one. If you finally said yes to the different things that he's put on your heart to do, and you started volunteering at a, at a mission and realized, I want this, I need this, God wants me to have this as a part of my week or my month. And maybe all of a sudden, that, that hour-long Netflix show becomes a 30-minute Netflix show. Or all of a sudden, the times of idleness, trying to figure out what to do and how to do things no longer becomes a big deal because you have these moments of purpose because God is filling your cup to its overflowing. What do you want this morning, church? Do you want to be busy or do you want to be full? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for always being there. We thank you for always being willing to lighten the load and to redirect us and get us on track. And God, for the times that we, we brush it off, the times that we think we can do it ourselves, God, I'm sorry. But I'm so thankful that you are in control. Father God, I pray that if there is someone in here this morning who's going through the same thing and is ready to admit, hey, I have a problem that we hand it over to you during this time as we prepare for taking the cup and the bread, being reminded of what you sent your son to die for. May we realize that there are things in our schedule that God, God sent his son to die for, to, to die for that, to die for these things die for us as we struggle and try to figure things out. 
God, may we take full advantage of the opportunity over in the corner with, with Katie and um, Kenny and, and Blake and anybody else that's back there and talk to somebody to share what is going on in our hearts that you are convicting of us this morning. Because it does us no good to walk out of here today and turn right back into Martha, never experiencing what it's like to be a Mary. God, may we experience a Mary life, a life that is fully attentive on you, just willing to give it a try, willing to see what life can feel like, what life can look like. God, convict us this morning. God, help us this morning. As we, as we go into this moment of singing and thinking about the words, let them ring true in our hearts and in our minds. Let us come to him. He's ready and waiting. God, let us have that mindset. Let us know that you're waiting for us and let us go to him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, we hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's, let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ Community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.